What's that famous quote about questions and answers, Matt? Uh, Vol- Voltaire, is it? Voltaire? Oh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> what is it? Do you remember? Yes, it's, uh, it's right, off the, uh, right off the tip of my tongue. I believe it goes, judge a man by his questions rather than by his answers. Oh, man, you're so smart. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls, where we question with perhaps a little more discretion. Oh, that's huh? a huh? good slant rhyme. And uh, today we'll be talking and about asking good questions because I'm terrible at listening. And uh, sometimes the easiest thing to do for me is to open my mouth and talk and uh, look at us. We have a podcast. And yes, I think we do. that's why we started this because we like to talk. We're good at it. If you've been around someone who's a good listener, though, you know it's a rare gift. So today we're going to talk about asking good questions. Who do we have on, Nate? We bring on my buddy Jesse Giddings, who went from being a bus driver on our tour. <laughs> I would say oil uh, rig operator. Oil rig the, operator. The pit of his uh, struggle. To basically interviewing everyone from Larry King to Selena Gomez to all the celebrities on E! News and basically becoming the Carson Daly of Canada. Um, your neck of the woods, Matt. Much music. And uh, he talks a lot about asking good questions. And I figured he'd be somebody that would, you know, he's not Dan Rather. But uh, he's had to figure out a way to ask people interesting questions and make people feel comfortable in situations, which uh, is a really tough skill to learn. Beyond just asking better questions, though, Jesse goes into a ton of really important stuff about troll starving and overcoming what life's about, what success looks like. And he has a ton of insight into that, uh, just being where he's been. And so we're really excited to play this interview for you. Well, I can I can I can say real quick that Jesse and I we met in Canada when Sherb was on tour in 2003 or four or something like that. Yes, yeah, and it was a shock for me because, of course, in my mind, never having been on tour before, thought it was something uh, else, and and got on uh, with you guys. But it, I I'm, I can't tell you how kind of transformative that was and where that that kind of path put put me in life. That's what we always. We always tell the people, like, get, like, when you're young, go. Just right. go. There's plenty of time to stay right. yes. later. Just yes. go. And, you know, fulfill whatever dream and get, get out there and travel and, you know, whatever it is. Just yeah. Do it. It's, I mean, it can be terrifying. Like, it's terrifying to quit your job and to put everything on hold and to, like, leave your life. But, yeah. like, without yeah. um, taking those risks, uh, I mean, I think I think there's so much to gain, and I think looking looking right. at my life over the last ten years, every, every everything has come from me being willing to step out of fear, um, step away from fear, and step mm. out and take right. risk and move into the unknown. And that was like like that was that opportunity going on tour and never having do, done that. That put me on a trajectory. In a, in, a, in a totally different direction than I ever thought, which then led me um, into television uh, a few years, you know, just a couple of years after that. Yeah, I'm going to take back the timeline. You were on tour with us and basically just doing some promotion for Slacker Radio. Technically, that was the job. Um, yeah. I, think I, I think I was probably more of a bus driver <laughs> than anything. Yeah, I remember you Hours were at night. <laughs> just, just you know, driving through the night, the uh, the Sherwood RV. That was the most brutal tour we've ever been on. It was like sixty five shows, five bands, uh, three months. Yikes! And and yeah, we 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 took Jesse from uh, being promotional for uh, the. There was a company that wrapped our bus to. Hey man, we need you just to drive because we're dead. <laughs> Because you guys opted, right? Like you guys had an option. Okay, we can rent a tour bus or yeah. we can purchase an RV. And smart investment. You guys were, you know, made the right choice. Yeah. And then realized, oh, it doesn't come with a driver though. <laughs> um, yeah. So exactly. we've got this. We've got this guy Jesse. You know, I think we can. You know how to drive? I was like, yeah. sure. See, that's yeah. a that's a Cinderella story from bus driver to E News. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
exactly. You mentioned something really cool about stepping out and taking risks and being vulnerable. And you've kind of stepped out. I mean, you're you're from Canada, for one, which, by the way, great uh, assimilation yes. with your accent. I didn't pick up on that. Uh, your accent until about five minutes in. <laughs> and and I'm from Canada. Okay. I, I moved when I was ten. I was born in Vancouver, so I have uh, oh, okay. I have a little bit of a bit of um, love for green card. for the Great White North. Agree. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I'm a citizen now. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, it's two Canadians and an American on this uh, podcast right now. I'm, right. I'm, you're outnumbered, bro. I'm outnumbered. And both from Vancouver. Oh, well, you were born in Vancouver good, too. Good people. Vancouver, Vancouver General Hospital. Not Vancouver General. Oh, no, okay. I was. Uh, yeah, born a little outside of Vancouver. Where Where was that? Langley. Langley. That's crazy. So wait. So what? What year? What year were you born? I just want to know. Eighty four. Eighty four. I was eighty three. Okay. That's so weird. Okay. Did you play hockey? Uh, a, a little bit. Uh, and I wasn't good at ice hockey. I did roller hockey. The most Canadian question I've <laughs> ever heard. Did you play in my hockey? Life. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, of course. I mean, I only I only asked because this happened to me a week ago, and you know, of, my second question is like, "Oh, you're from Vancouver? Did you play hockey? Yes, you did." And five minutes later, we determined that we had played on the same team. Wow! As kids, and you know, strangers meeting in LA. Well, that's the thing wow. that I'm talking about. Like, you know, I'm from Canada. You're from Canada. We got out. We 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 went out. We right. we, we toured the country. We we found our whatever whatever it is. But I want to hear about your story and how you know how you've sort of overcome whatever it is to get where you where you're at what's the mentality how do you fight your trolls do you have trolls do you have self-doubt and and stuff like that or are you just one of those brilliant people who don't struggle with that <laughs> uh abs i mean no i totally struggle with self-doubt constantly um but i think the kind of the more the more powerful or dominating feeling uh, that I or, or at least push to the top is um, is faith that it could happen. Right. That mm-hmm. like whatever you know like and maybe that's being <laughs> like naive. But my parents always told me, "Hey, if you just dream it and think it, wow. you know, you can you can make it happen." Sure. And and I was stupid enough to kind of just always think that that was okay uh and and that's that's totally fine like i'm just gonna believe it's gonna happen and i'll like i left tour um with you guys after yeah this is quite the transformation and everything he's saying now is true because last time i talked to you were a bus driver (laughs) and yeah there was a moment um i was a bus driver i was on tour with you guys um (laughs) i i quickly uh, you know, re- re- I, I thought I wanted to, yeah, join a band and, and tour. And um, there's kind of like a bit of some time in between. Yeah. I ended up going back to Canada and, and working on the oil rigs. Uh, my brother and I were working on the oil rigs together. He loved it. Uh, that was not for me. It, yeah. uh, it's a, diff- a difficult time and, and I was losing my mind. And so it could have been that that drove me to insanity and I just one day snapped um, and I drove my vehicle to the airport in Calgary and left it. Like I left everything I owned and just got on a flight and was like, I don't care. Really? I got to get out of here. I got to go try to get a job on much music. And, really? Yeah. And I... <laughs> And I just left. I, love I just it. left. I like one night. I just snapped. I went to the airport. I got on a flight. flew flew to Toronto, and was like, "Okay, great. I'm here. Uh, now what?" And and quickly realized like you can't just walk into a television <laughs> network and say, "Hey, put me on TV." Like it yeah. doesn't it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but um, to try to con- just kind of condense things or at least uh, yeah um, make sense of it it. I ended up having to pick up a bunch of other jobs, just sticking in Toronto, kind of waiting. And eventually, once every four years, they hold an open call where they just they say, hey, if you want to become a, a, a VJ, a host on the network, show up and, uh, and you can audition. No and, it, and it happened about three months after I had moved there. And it no was just, just a coincidence. They do it once Providence. every four years. Yeah. Time, you know, timing is everything, and honestly, luck is so much of it. Like I can't say I knew what I was doing or had any experience or what, but I showed up with a few thousand other people. I auditioned, um, you know, and that that turned into eight months 
of auditions. So what was yeah, the I, what was the audition like? The, the first one, you just in front of producers or kind of like American Idol. Um, so the audition process starts like this: you you line up outside. It's uh, it, it was February. It was freezing cold in Toronto. I don't know, but if you know, you know, Tr- like February yeah. in Toronto is probably the worst month. <laughs> and if and and of course. I decided, yeah. well, you gotta, you gotta look cool. That's like, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, so I'm wearing like a t-shirt <laughs> thinking like, this is how I'm <laughs> supposed to dress. And I, and I didn't realize that we would be standing outside for two hours. So, um, by the time I actually got to the front of the line to go inside, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had hypothermia, uh, and it, it wasn't making any sense whatsoever. You get to the front and it's interesting. I learned this after, of course, that they have, Someone who looks like an assistant or a, a secretary or whatever um, standing at the front, it actually happens to be an executive producer who's judging you solely on your look and how you answer the question, hey, how are no you? No way. And then he decides to send you either to the left or to the there right. There it is. And you're not, you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it, but you get sent. He just said, you know, there's, thousand, there's a thousand people in the lineup. It's really quick. But because Sherwood totally prepped you for being really awesome all the time, <laughs> you were ready. That I, moment, w- I was right? ready. I was, I was on the ball and um, hypothermia helped. Uh, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just rambling, um, as I often do. And I got sent to the left. Didn't know if that was good. Uh, but it turns out it was, you get sent to the left, you go into this thing and then they go, um, you know, here's a questionnaire, answer this questionnaire as best you can. And, and we're now in this studio and there's like a hundred people who are answering this questionnaire. And as I got in there, this had been going on for hours and somebody stands up, a producer stands up and goes, look, some of you people are taking this like way too serious. You've been in here for two hours trying to fill out this simple 10 question, you know, piece of paper, like just get it done and get out of here. And so I took that as a sign of like, okay, they don't really care about this. I'm not going to answer any of these things. And, and I took nothing seriously. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody's taking this seriously and figuring out, okay, well, like what's the perfect answer? And the questions are like, you know, what was the last album you downloaded? Like, what was the last concert you went to? Um, like weird, just <laughs> like basic music questions and then a bunch of other stuff. So you get so you get the through the, you get through uh, the, the questionnaire, questionnaire process, process and I answered it in five minutes. I just like made yeah. jokes of all the questions. You hand it in, and then it's at that point where this person reads over your questions, and it turns out again they're an executive producer, and they quickly decide if you're going into another meeting or get the hell out of here. Uh, and so meanwhile, there's a hundred people in this room. <laughs> Some people are just saying like, "Hey, thank you. You know, we'll be in touch." you're gone. And other people get told, Hey, you're going to a meeting. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I got into a meeting. Um, and they were like, what's with your answers? Uh, and I, and I just explained to them, I said, listen, like I see everybody taking way too much time. You know, it's not that serious. Like, here's my background. I just got off tour with Sherwood. Um, and <laughs> you should give me a job. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were like, yeah, do you have any television experience? I'm like, none, but I'm, I've got confidence and yeah. I, I feel really good about this because I've got nothing else to fall back on. And everybody else says I'm an idiot for moving my life out here to try to make this happen. But uh, when you've got nothing to, you know, you've got no backup plan, like you've Just got- go no, for it. Yeah, you've got no, nothing, no options except moving forward. So are you doing anything in the meantime to like brush up on your, well, your presentation skills? Like yeah, looking yeah, at the definitely. camera and I stuff mean, like again, that? I mean, again, not knowing what it took, but I went to the first audition, uh, made it through. I, I didn't hear anything for a month. A month later, I get a call. They asked me to come in. I, I come in and they go, okay, here's a band. Um, you've got 10 minutes. Here's a laptop. Write an interview. And, and I go, okay, well... I've never written an interview before. Uh, how do I do this? And I've yeah. got 10 minutes. I've got the internet. I got to figure out what's going on. And I, and I just, and you know, 
um, kind of struggled <laughs> through this first experience. And then they go, all right, perfect. We're going to, you know, come to the studio. Uh, here's a camera. We're going to film this. Um, this person's going to pretend to be the band. I think the band was like Black Eyed Peas. I think that's like, they just, they were like, yeah, you're interviewing Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that was it. And so somehow like I made it through that. And then of course they don't call you for a month. So you think, well, I failed that one. What are you doing uh, like for work at this point? I was working at three nightclubs and a gym, uh, <laughs> all, all within a two block radius thinking that, Hey, if I just stay really close, maybe I'll bump into like these producers, these people, and I can try to talk to talk to them again. Um, but, but but really, <laughs> I was like, I had no time. I was just working nights, sleeping days, um, working working at nightclubs. I was that guy uh, when you come to buy a bottle at a nightclub, right? Um, yeah, uh, and just standing in this booth. Um, but meanwhile, telling everybody, hey, I'm, I'm here to like make it on much music. And everybody's like, you're an idiot. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, but after that first one, I, I learned like, okay, you know what? I should probably, should probably get some practice on camera and then proceeded to like go home every day and have my roommate at the time pretend to be a band. And I would tape it on you know my cell phone and and just pretend to do interviews i, I mean awesome. i don't know like <laughs> i don't know how much that helps but like you, you definitely like you, you you learn to be comfortable watching yourself which is probably the most terrifying thing about being on television is sure. like getting comfortable with seeing yourself and right. seeing yourself ask stupid questions <laughs> like that's that's the best learning because in life we we ask stupid questions all the time and you, you, you know, you feel however you feel, you, yeah. you know, you make a fool of yourself. It lasts a minute. Then it airs on television <laughs> in front of millions of people and you have to watch it again and cringe right. with everybody. You learn really fast. Okay. Right. That I don't want to do that again. Right. Um, like I don't want to make that mistake. I don't want to, yeah, right before that tour, I remember that Sherwood, we, we actually got hit up to, to be on MTV News one time, and uh, mostly because our old RV was on Road Rules 10, so I remember that day, we, we, we were playing in LA with Reliant K, and then they ushered us upstairs, and then they gave us the MTV News microphone, and everyone was like, uh, 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 what do we say, what do we say? <laughs> I remember watching it later going, oh my gosh. We are the dumbest band of <clears throat> well, all it's, time. It's it's like the switch that you need to hone. You know, you need to hone that switch because everybody has those moments where you feel charming or you feel charismatic, like those moments where it just happens naturally. But then, you know, when it's your job, the camera gets pointed at you and you have to be on. Like, yeah, you don't have yeah. a chance to feel feel your way into it. It's a, it's a weird experience, um, and it's a it's a weird thing to get used to, and and it, it's hard to explain. But you, you like you, you're on like all the time, and yeah. and we would you know eventually I became the host of of Much Music. We had a flagship show again, much like TRL. It was one hour of live television, New Music Live, and yeah, at the time it was called Much on Demand MOD, and then it changed to New Music Live, but. Um, it was a live show, so you have a live audience. You've got live, you know, a live studio audience that you have to entertain, that you have to like be on right. for, and then you've got this camera pointed at you, um, and you're going like live across the country. And then at that time, you know, Twitter uh, became everything. Like every, you know, like 2009, right? Our bosses were like, "All right, you got to be on. You, like during the show, we need you live tweeting. We need you talking to Canada, and you're so you're you're Jeez. trying to multitask and entertain and host a show and be on. And then you, it's this weird thing afterwards where you just you you kind of crash. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, just yeah. You, you become just an hit introvert. A, yeah, you just <laughs> hit a wall. And I'm like, I am not an introvert by any means." But after doing a show, you're just right. like, this is a weird feeling. What is this? Did you ever have any of those moments where you were like, um, remember that viral video of like 
Mrs. North Carolina when she just started mumbling nonsense for like <laughs> 45 seconds and it went viral. Have you seen that? Such as the Iraq. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our ed education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and I believe that they <laughs> did you ever feel like that like your brain is just on autopilot and it's say you're saying things and you have no idea what's coming out that's my yes. fear that's my biggest fear by the way just like <laughs> it's one of those great things in in okay. life you know that um it's that it's the fight or flight mentality. Like you, you, you learn who you are really quick when put in those kinds of situations where you're challenged to face your greatest fears uh, and and the unknown. And I was put in the, that situation and 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 made the choice. And I you, like okay, let's just. Let's run with this and and hope for the best. Um, well, that's the thing that that you know the taking risks or the the putting yourself in vulnerable situation vulnerable situations. What you've done, it seems, just personally, is just throw yourself into things constantly, just constantly, constantly. Keep throwing yourself into things. And then because you have that personality, other people go, "Well, we can throw him too because he throws himself." So let's throw him into that. And right. you just get you're just flinging yourself into stuff. Have you ever thrown yourself any, into something that you were like, uh, it's not gonna, it's not for me? Or what advice would you give people? Like, do you say throw yourself into it and you'll learn even if you fail? Or I have tried and failed many times over. I have tried to start a clothing company um, and failed. I've tried to start a record label, failed. I've tried to start a, a management company and failed <laughs> at times. I've I tried to start a production company and failed. I produced a TV show that um, bombed and <laughs> didn't go anywhere. I've hosted TV shows um, that failed. Uh, I've you know tried my hand at, at, at radio and and didn't you know, go anywhere. Um, I've, I've, I tried to act at one point and, um, got turned away at the door. Um, <laughs> like there's, I've tried so this podcast should be I, called how to, so how to fail with Jesse. But that's, that's the, that's the thing that I learned early on. And, and again, like grateful that my parents were just like, just keep trying, just, just keep trying. Like, yeah. And through through failure, you you learn in the, in in that experience. You learn who you are um, and how to how you deal with those situations, and also you learn really fast how to handle yourself and 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 what you what you don't want to do. Right. You didn't want to work on an oil rig, and you had to do I, that to know that. Yeah, I, I have that experience exactly. in my own life. I, I I worked on a forklift in a door factory. And like I had like a sh uh, checklist of, and I would flip it over, drive around back, and write lyrics on the back of my checklist because <laughs> it like launched. It was a launch pad for my dreams. You know, I that's realized awesome. how much I didn't want to do it, and I think that like that's your oil rig experience where you're like, I'm, I have to get out of here. No, that's so true. I remember in high school, I worked at this auto shop, and all these old dudes were just cussing all day long in this hot, you know, Northern California summers, just sweating with these old dudes just going, I, I'm going to go to college. I just got to get out of here. I hate this. This is terrible. So these millennials, these millennials are sitting around. They're like, I don't know if I want to do that. Do it. Do the, do the dirty work. Do the bad yeah. thing. You, that, I mean, that's the, only, that's the only way that I know how to learn is like just by failure, by try, I'm fail, so and try again. Um, and, and you just, and, and I figured, I figured out, I was like, I'm grateful that I tried all of those things as I did. Like in my teens and early twenties, it was like, I tried to create a concert venue and it like, it was okay. And I, I did all right. I wouldn't say that it was a success, but, uh, it wasn't a total failure. I met, I met you, uh, you, you guys in Sherwood and ended up on tour and like, that was a great experience, but I quickly learned like, I don't know if I'm cut out to, uh, be bus on driver. the road to be, <laughs> to be right. a bus driver. It takes a certain um, personality for sure. Uh, so there's like definitely been a lot of failure, um, way more than there has been successes. 
Um, but and I think a lot of our listeners think that they think that oh yeah, these people just go out, they start bands, they get they get popular, everything just kind of happens for them. And I think I failed at three bands before Sherwood uh, kind of took off a little bit, you know. And that's and, pretty amazing. I mean considering right like yeah uh, there's uh, often so much more failure and you you were like you uh and sherwood came came together and that like you had that experience of failing bands you knew and then there there was something special when you guys came together and even then i would still say we were still kind of learning and failing as we were as we were having some successes but even you know, just putting out a record this last summer, just still kind of thinking, oh, we're still kind of tinkering around and learning things. We're not a full-time band anymore, but the the thought is, is when people listen to these things and they go, oh, this is a successful person or whatever, they had all this luck involved. And, and there is some, but but it's just kind of not quitting. It's the drive. Yeah, it's the determination, right. not quitting. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're trying to talk about. That's basically what this podcast is about. Just kind of like, don't feed the trolls is not quitting. It's not quitting and it's, it's redefining success because if success was making money, um, or, you know, getting famous, if that was success, I wouldn't be here right now. And I wouldn't be doing what I was doing. I would, I probably would have tried other things if that was my goal. Like my, I very quickly define success as, not just being on television, not being a host, not having the things that came with being on television, but it was success was connecting with people, having real conversations and and trying to do good with the opportunities and the platform that I had. Someone said this, I don't I maybe it was you Matt, but uh, how you want your personality to be the same on camera as off camera? And yeah. I and I and I almost want to say that success to me is when you just become yourself and then you get paid to kind of be yourself. Yeah, um, not I'm just a stoked fake version you of yourself. Confused me for Rob Bell. That's awesome. No, no, no. You told me about it. <laughs> I think you quoted Rob Bell, and that's where I got it. Okay, that's pro- that's probably more like it. Yeah, like when he, like I think I think when he said when you come on stage that moment when you come when you walk onto stage it's like walking into your living room. It's not like you're putting on a show. It's like, this is who I am. And I guess he's more of a spiritual guru, leader guy. So, you know, to have integrity in that regard is really important. Um, Some people have to perform. You have to turn on the entertainer. Um, But I'm thinking, like, celebrities might appreciate it if Jesse's not trying to, like, you know, just do it. Like, my friend just auditioned for The Voice, and he, he said Carson Daly felt like when the camera was on, he was Carson Daly. And right. then when the camera shut off, he just like sunk down into this hole and was just sitting there. <laughs> and he's probably been doing Poor it for thirty Carson. years, so he's tired. You know? Well, like, wait, so so Nate, Nate and I are familiar with a specific troll, Jesse, but on like a microscopic level, uh, which I would call maybe the fame troll or the one that says like you can only really derive your self worth. By how right. many people like you or watch you or idolize you or what your ratings are or how many, in our case, it would be record sales yeah. or people at the show. It was all this sure. number thing. And we we're like, oh, we're only valued by this yeah. metric. Have you experienced that? And if yeah. so, yeah. like, what ways do you deal with that? How do you handle at, that? At many points in my career, I've been faced with that because that's the industry that I work in. Um, I was first at Much Music. I, I left that just to quickly, you know, and took another risk, moved to California, hoping to get on E! News, had, you know, nothing lined up or figured out again, but was like, that's where I want to be. Um, and ended up on, ended up a year later um, on, on E! News um, and kind of going through a similar process of, of auditions and, and, and pr- having to prove myself. And then you get on air and especially coming to the U.S. onto a, a major network like that, and they're like, yeah. okay, here's how we define success. We define success yeah. by how many Instagram followers you have, how many Twitter followers you have, how much are, what are our ratings each night. And every day we, we wake up and we wow. get an email of the ratings from last night's show. And if there was a dip, we talk about it. We talk about how to get higher ratings. What, you know. and, and, and you start to find your value and worth in what other people are saying about you, which is an extremely dangerous place 
to right. find yourself in. Mm. And I found myself there at different points in my career. And and if, and it's at that point where I have to reevaluate and and redefine success. It's funny because I'm in a different phase right now and, and I'm grateful for you guys uh, and your podcast. I've been listening to your podcast over the last little while and listening to your discussions and your um, you know, challenging questions and, and personal growth. And it's challenged me again to like reevaluate and it's, and it's those things. So at different points in my career, um, it's not always, I don't always find the strength in myself to redefine success, but I'm grateful for other people, for friendships, for, um, accountability, um, from family or friends in those areas to say, Hey, just like, remember why you're doing it. Remember, what your purpose is and remember that it's, it's, it's much more than this. And you, and, and, and I've had to, I've definitely gone mm-hmm. through those phases where it's, I'm looking at numbers and I'm, Oh man. I feel like that's something that's like, uh, sort of, uh, I don't know. It feels like it, New York and LA, it, it feels like there's just this like shield of that where it kind of keeps that mentality inside those, those Well, cities. now it's universal with, with, with how many people like my Instagram photo. You know, like everybody has a profile. Everybody has a public persona. Yeah, it, it, it's got to be hard to wake up every morning going, okay, here's the numbers, Jesse. You didn't wink enough at the camera. <laughs> got to wink more. We need more oh, it's all, about, it's all about those winks. <laughs> That's not satisfying. Um, and I knew it wouldn't be. And when I got there, I realized really quickly that it wasn't satisfying and it's own, and, it, and it becomes its own rat race in that you just want more of it. And you watch everybody around you dealing with that and struggling with that with this numbers games, these rating games and like, okay, yeah, great. I got a little bit of fame. I'm on a big television show, but my numbers were down yesterday. Like huh. pe- yeah, do people yeah. not love me anymore? Do people not value <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah. Like, am I, am I not doing a good enough job? Yeah. Had to just go like, okay, well that's not success. Success aren't my, is not my numbers. Success is not that I'm on a television show. Success is, um, how I love the people around me and connect with the people in my life. Uh, and the things that I do outside of work, work is just, I, I love what I do. I, and I love, um, what I'm able to do and the opportunities that it brings, but I also have to keep a balance and remember, like, I have to love doing stuff outside of that and, and, um, and remember kind of like who I am and, and what's important to me. And, and you have to kind of keep reminding yourself that we opened up for the gym blossoms at the Mandalay Bay in, in Vegas. And they took us to like the VIP lounge called like the Mix on top of Mandalay Bay. And I remember we were in this VIP room that was exclusive from the other VIP room. So we were like basically out on the glass overlooking Vegas. But it was so exclusive it was just us and one other dude and some girls. And we were laughing. But this girl turns around and she goes, hey, this guy right here, he's with this other girl. Is he into me? And I'm like sitting in this VIP room going, what is this girl asking me right now? And and then it dawned on me like, this is real life. Like she's asking me a real question. If this guy she's with, who ended up being like the VP of Lionsgate Films, this (laughs) older dude, he gave me his business card as they were walking out. But I said, you know what? I think you want someone who cares about you, right? She goes, yeah. I go, someone who's going to pay attention to you in the middle of some chaotic club, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she started like opening up. And what happens when... My point is, is it was like everything turned off and I realized this is real life. This person's asking me a real question. What happens when the cameras turn off and you're standing there with a celebrity and they say, start saying stuff to you and you're standing there with Larry King and he's like, if those happen, I don't know. If that's yeah. Happened. So, I mean, this, this, this happens all the time. And I think one of the keys to asking better questions 
at least in my career and in my experience, uh, is preparing oftentimes. And maybe, you know, it, this isn't just applicable in my job. Like we ask people questions, but we don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we, we ask the questions only because it's like, Hey, how are you? How was your day? Like what's going on? Oh, like I knew the questions that I'd ask better questions would have been a great topic for you. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. That's the good stuff right there. And that's how, that's how you, you probably have to fight that guy, right? Cause that guy creeps in and then you're like, ratings, 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 ask, ask about the clothes. But you're like, I don't give a shit about their clothes. <laughs> yeah. And it's applicable like in, it, in, in our life. Like I think we come, we come up hmm. to people, we make assumptions about what other people are experiencing or going through their life. We ask basic questions that allow people to give us one word answers. Right. Rather than, rather than asking open-ended questions and actually taking time to listen and give the person space to breathe and to respond and to, and I think eye contact is a lot of it too. Like when you go to interview a celebrity, uh, you know, celebrities, they're just like everybody else. They, they've had a shitty day. They, they could have had a great day. Right. Uh, they could have something going on with their kids. They could have something going on in their personal life. And we walk in with this assumption like, okay, I'm, you know, here we go. Okay, camera's rolling. Now go. Right. And and I found the greatest tool um, for me was walking in with no assumptions. They like allowing them to be themselves before the cameras roll. So before the cameras roll, I try to initiate a conversation with some open-ended questions to let them know that I'm actually here for them. I'm not here just to get what I need, which mm. is oh, I need to get a, a, some juicy gossip or I need them to answer this one question so that I can go home and get ratings. I'm actually here to like have a real conversation because I value them as a human being. And I hope that that's what they get from me. I hope that that's like the, what I communicate. What was the like most real moment like when you were having an interview? What was like one, one interview where you were doing that and it stood out the most? We go to these junkets, you know, and, and celebrities will promote a movie and they have a junket and they sit in a hotel room. Right. And they have 150 press yeah. come in one after another. And, by the, and time, they're literally, by the time you get there, they're like super tired. And I'm 149. <laughs> I'm like, I'm at the end of the day, they've literally answered every question under the sun and they are like, just get me out of here. Like, I want this to end. And I walk in. And in, in most, and I don't, everyone has their own strategies and I can't speak for anyone else in entertainment. And I have, there's some amazingly talented people and some friends of mine who, who I've learned a lot of this from. Um, but you walk in and typically you walk in, you sit down and the celebrity sitting in a chair across from you and you probably have about a minute before the camera starts rolling and you sit there in silence <laughs> In most cases, and then all of a sudden the producer's like, all right, camera's rolling, you've got four questions. And you've got to instantly turn it on and get huh. your questions and you know, not get sidetracked. So robotic. It's, 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 it's so robotic and it's difficult and it's like it's this weird art of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of doing that. Um, and so what I will – try to do is like the second I walk into the room to try to have start a conversation just about their day, just about like, and show and, and try to communicate that I, that I, yes, I'm here to ask you questions because right. I'm from an entertainment show, but like, I actually care. Like, has this been a ridiculous day? You've done 149 interviews. Right. How, like how, you know, tell me how exhausted you are. Right. Like, do you want, you know, like, have you heard enough of this one question? And I try to make a joke of it. Right. And it's like, but I, and I, I've tried to bring that and in, into my own life. Sure. And again, I think it's like, I, 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 technology, as much as I love it, has given us the ability to um, to disengage and to find excuses to break conversation. Right. It's like we, we're, we're, we're having a conversation and then we pick up our phone and we look at a text message yeah. and we look at it and I'm and guilty of this ten minutes, all the time. Ten minutes later, you look up, you're like, what, were we, what, what, what yeah, am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where were we? And, I, and, I, and it is. It's like everything in our lives is making it um, more and more difficult right. to 
to, um, to connect. And I think more and more, like that's what everybody is craving. Right. Like everybody yeah. Yeah. is craving validation and conversation, real conversation is, is validating someone else. Face to face. Right. It, right. right. It's, it, and that's asking better questions. It's saying like, Hey, I actually care to ask questions because and that's the moment larry king's like let's get out of here i know a place down the street there's a good pizza there let's go you know that's my that's my larry king voice by the way it's not very good it's pretty good i do have one question i do have one question and i know a lot of people they like to ask like the celebrity dirt question you know and i'm not quick to judge people based on one interaction because i've also been judged on my bad days and so i want to keep this positive who are or who were some of the warmest I guess, self-actualized celebrities you've met. Maybe some of the, maybe they're having a good day, but that just seemed to be yeah. legitimate, have, have, have a lot of integrity. I mean, the first one that, like, like without even thinking, um, Dwayne Johnson. The Rock. Is The Rock. Nice. Um, and, uh-huh. and it made, like, I, I learned a, a lesson from him, and I'll tell you, it's, um, you sit in these junkets and you get a scheduled time or you have an, a scheduled interview and your interview is supposed to start at 12 and, uh, and, and you show up and they show up and you get seven minutes and you do this interview. And oftentimes celebrities are late for whatever reason. They got busy, busy schedules. They just came from another interview, whatever. And, um, sitting in this room waiting the interview was supposed to start Dwayne was a few minutes late and walked into this room a couple minutes late and you know I I don't care like I'm it's fine like yeah we were scheduled at 12 but I'm I'm gonna wait you're Dwayne Johnson (laughs) I'm here to wait for you and he walked into the room and just started profusely apologizing and was like, I'm so sorry that I was a few minutes late. And I was like, man, not a problem. And he's like, no, that's unacceptable. And he called <laughs> out his team, he called out his team, like his, you know, his assistant, his producer that were with him. And he says, he says, team, this is unacceptable. We're a few minutes late. Jesse's time is just as valuable as mine. And I should not like assert that mine's more important or that I'm more important. Like we needed to be here on time and I'm so sorry. And I was just like, the fact that he would acknowledge that, that he would apologize and that he would call out his team and say that his time is like, my time is just as valuable as him, <laughs> which awesome. I don't know if I agree with, <laughs> uh, you know, he's Dwayne that, Johnson. That's awesome. That's awesome. But he started that. And I learned something, you know, it went, this actually went through my mind because Nate, I know we were supposed to get on a call yesterday. I was just thinking that you were really apologetic about it. And, and I, I just, I, I was in another meeting. It went late. Um, and I, I lost track of time and I realized like, I, I, this, I, I just, I'm not going to make this work. And that ex- experience went through my mind and I was like, oh my gosh, am I saying that my time's more important? Like, geez, like that's not what I wanted to communicate. But like yeah, yeah. by canceling, you know, our time, you guys had planned and I just felt so bad. And I was like, man, if Dwayne Johnson can <laughs> call it out and can make sure he's on time and... And I'm like, then I, I need to be better at this. We've had some yeah, guests yeah. that have, that have uh, canceled on us multiple times. So you're, you're, you're great. You're done. <laughs> I think that's the struggle for the celebrity world is that uh, we all kind of think that they're above us in some ways. And when they kind of humble themselves below people, I think any great leader or any great personality, if they can figure out a way to do that, you change lives every single day mm. because here you are talking about what he did in that moment in that hotel room by humanizing you completely, it's changed your life. Because mm. you're like, you know what I mean? Like the rock cared about you. You just want to treat people, you just want to treat people that way. Yeah. 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 And I think like, I, I learned so much from that and, and have tried to apply that in, in my own life in, you know, validating people. It's like asking better questions starts with like validating someone else. I mm. I think I think if you can start from the perspective and the point of view that like you actually care 
about the person that you're talking to and you you actually are taking the time not looking at text messages not looking and again I do this all the time and I have to and I catch myself but I'm like oh no no wait I'm I'm here with this person and I'm validating them by listening and acknowledging and 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 that is half the battle like you can you ask a question but then we we I often find that I'm not listening right. or I'm distracted or I'm doing something else and then it's like well why did I ask the question in the first place right. <laughs> like that asking you know better questions is following that with actually listening and yeah that's funny because follow, follow up question but every once in a while you meet somebody that's really listening and it's like oh you're actually here right now and it almost feels like you're in a therapy session because <laughs> like this person actually cares you know uh, definitely difficult in my job because I have hey five minutes and get as many questions as you can so I'm forced to be thinking about what the next yeah. question is and yeah, how yeah. to quickly transition and get what I need out of somebody mm-hmm. well at the same time trying to remember to be present and listen because often the best uh, answers are found in follow-up questions. Don't be so focused on where you want. Like it, it feels like so many times when I have conversations with people that we just want it to end. Right. We like we, we want to get through the <laughs> yeah. you know the painful the, part. Hey, how are you? Yeah. yeah, the small talk, like chit chat, like great. This is sure. awesome. Like we feel good. Hey, we, we you know I'm validated. Yeah. You're validated. We're done. Um, <laughs> and it's like. And I don't know what that is, but it's like not being afraid to sit. Is it just too many people, too many interactions? Like I live out in the country now and I think I don't interact with people very often. And so when I do, it means a lot more, I've found. Um, I don't see people all day long. And I think maybe if we're in the rat race and we're just constantly surrounded by rats, uh, we get a little irritated by people. Um, But people don't irritate me anymore. That's kind of why I like the country. I, I actually welcome random interactions whereas if you're in a city you hate random interactions like, <laughs> yeah get away is that part of it it's just proximity that probably has a lot to do with it yeah for sure like i live in i live in hollywood and it's like and my job most of the time is asking people questions um and so you're constantly talking to people so i find in my personal right. life i can be very dismissive your work life because I'm, yeah your work yeah, life, life dictates your off time you know like if you right. if you and worked I, in front of a computer all day by yourself you'd be like when i get off work i'm going out you know sure sure <laughs> and 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 like you Nate, like if i wasn't around as many people yeah i maybe i'd look like look forward to it more those conversations but being here and being surrounded by people constantly um, I, I find that I'm easily dismissive in conversation. Like it's just small talk and, and, and move on. And I have to go stop myself. Okay. Like you have to be present in this and you, I want validation just like they want validation that we're human, that we're right. in this process, that like, that we're in this thing called life together. Like let's, yeah. let's actually take the time to listen. This is so meta because we're interviewing you. You're telling us to listen. And meanwhile, and you're saying all these things. And meanwhile, I've got my next question on my the tip of my brain. And Nate's got the next question on the tip of his brain. And we can't see each other. Yeah. So I don't know when he's going to jump in. And then so he right. jumps in and cuts you off. Or I jump in and cut you off. It's just like, this is like, this is like us doing everything wrong. And I think but, when you have to interview celebrities and a guy like Dwayne Johnson just all of a sudden goes, you know, you're not just a guy from E! News. You're Jesse. Um, you're not just a girl making my coffee. You're Laura, you know? Sure. Um, and if we just lived that way every day, because there's so many times I go on autopilot, and I, and I think moving away from a city helped me realize, like, oh, I actually enjoy human interactions again. Um, and I say that already, but, but I think one thing right. you seem to be saying over and over again is, like, you have to sort of turn that part of yourself on. Well, um, it's it's not about what you're doing, it's about who you are. And I think that's a good segue to talk about maybe some of the 
the charity work and the stuff, your heart for for different things. Uh, Nate's got some notes written down here, but I'm sure he could probably better. Uh... Well, let me just quickly just to sum that up. Like it would um, just that idea of I think the reason I had success in this job was because I hmm. didn't care who I was talking to, whether it was Dwayne Johnson or a stranger on the street corner. And I, and I think I didn't treat celebrities any differently because it would be very easy to get into this job and you interview celebrities and then you go, Hey, I don't have time for you unless you're a celebrity. Like, why would I have a conversation with you? Uh, you know, Laura at the coffee shop. Yeah. Like you're not a celebrity. I'll save my energy. Hmm. And, and I realized like, celebrities are just like everybody else and no more important. Um, you know, their job doesn't make them any more important and it's, and it's finding joy in the conversations with everybody. And I think there's, I can learn just as much, if not more from Laura at the coffee shop than I did from Dwayne Johnson. If I'll take the time to be present and listen and who knows what they're going through, but to validate them, by giving them some of my time and letting them know that I actually care about what they have to say, and what you know, whether that's Laura or or a celebrity, I think <laughs> that's a good stance. <laughs> the hierarchy of who's important in the room is 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 a struggle. I think Always. we need to throw that whole thing out the out the door. Like yeah. it's just you know we live in this culture that. Um, that admires celebrities for being celebrities, um, for these Instagram stars for being Instagram stars. And I hear we, and we treat them differently and it's, and, and we look at them different and, it, and it's just like, they're, they're, they're people like everybody else just trying to find a way to do what they love. How, how do you prioritize your friendships? Cause I'm sure you're friends with a few celebrities now, and I'm sure the temptation is to text those people back or to call those people back or to email those people back versus other people in your life that aren't as popular or aren't as important. What's the struggle there? I was told by somebody I love dearly um, not to be a false prophet. Right. In the sense that uh, I show the world on television um, this like loving, passionate, caring person and if I can't, if I'm not doing that at home and if I'm not genuinely loving mm. the people in my house and the people in my community uh, that are around me, um, then I'm a false, a false prophet. It's like I'm, I'm preaching to the world like, yeah, I do all this charity work and I'm trying to do all these good things yeah. and I'm on television and I'm like preaching love and, and, and pastor's kids. Right. PK. I mean, we. I grew up with that. The P PK. I mean, I'm sure so many kids whose dads who were actual preachers preaching to the actual choirs went home and their dad was just a stressed out jerk face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're like, I hate this religion crap. Exactly. That's that's it. Just to be who you are. Yeah. Somebody I love called me out on that and was like, at, at one point in my career, and was like, don't don't become a false prophet. Like on television and this type of personality and this type of person. And then you come home and you are, ex you know, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're, you're irritated, you, you go through right. it just like everybody else. But then you use that as an excuse to not give the people closest to you um, the time. Right. And, yeah. and then I was like, wow, okay, I've got to learn to be better. You're like, thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we thanks, all have our mom. ups and downs and like, you know, we can't always be on or be present I and mean, we we were right. human right but you right. but we have to right. make commitments in our private lives to do things or to be a certain way or like i make commitments you know to be with my family every night for dinner you know right. like and kind of try to be yeah. present through that uh what, yeah. are, what are some commitments you've made in like your private life to kind of keep your head down keep you keep you humble and i, I know i'm pushing you i'm tr i've got an agenda i want you to talk about uh some some charity work that you're involved in <laughs> earlier this year, I stepped away from E! News and from entertainment television, which is what I've been doing for seven years now, and uh, decided to just have one of my, another one of my harebrained ideas and, yeah. um, and go, like, I want to see if I can be a photographer. And, and I was like, I'm not a professional photographer. Uh, I, I 
don't have a lot of experience doing it, but it's something that I love. And after seven years of asking people uh, questions, um, I realized I'm like, I, I really want to dive deeper, at, not only in myself and, my, and in my own life, but like with people. And I wanted those opportunities and not just five minutes with a celebrity sitting down. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have to say, like, I really appreciated um, your podcasts and, and this, the journey that you guys have been on and listening to some of them. Some, a lot of it has been things that I've struggled with. Like you guys have talked about the imposter syndrome and, and success and, and, and a bunch of different things that I have been going through this last year, which was like, okay, I'm taking a step away from the thing that I do and going into a realm that I really know nothing about and, and and who am I? Who am I to say that I can do this? Like, what the hell? You're the king of it. Yeah. You're the king of it. I'm. I'm. I got a picture of your life, and that's what you always do. That's what you do. That is what I do. But like, you know, it's like at some point, I'm like, really? Am I going to do this now? Like, I'm going to walk away from this career that I built and and try to go in a completely different direction. And and I thought, you know what? Let's just like let's just change everything up. Let's 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 just start over. <laughs> let's go somewhere and and do something. Here's one lesson I've learned: fake it till you make it. Uh, and yeah, it's my favorite saying. That's that's <laughs> that's it. I I I, <laughs> I basically built a portfolio of work uh, and was like, I knew I wanted to do photography for charities and 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 travel a bit and and try to do that. And so I went out and, and I built a portfolio and then I went around to organizations and showed them my portfolio of work that I created. And was <laughs> like, I was like, here it is. Look, I can do this. Like, here's what I'd love to do. Um, will you hire yeah. me? No, I, I got to this go game. over to Europe and, and document the Syrian refugee crisis and migrate and migrate, um, with, with the refugees. Wow. Um, and document their process in their life and the struggles that they were going through um, and the issues that they're facing and have been facing as the Syrian war has been going on for over five years now um, and continues, you know, it, 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 it continues to this day right now. Um, a lot of the refugees that I met and, and connected with are, are, are stuck and faced with it daily and faced with the with trying to migrate with them and, and, and document that. This, this might be a leading question, but you know, sometimes if you wander in the desert for a long time, you really want a glass of water. And it seems like a lot of famous celebrities and that sort, uh, get involved in charities because perhaps they're just so starving for something that's not, uh, LA or, you know what I'm saying? Like not, that that was it for me. That was like, De- I can I can definitely admit that like after seven years in entertainment television, uh, interviewing celebrities as much as I enjoyed that and um, it was great. I realize my worth does not come from a celebrity validating me or from me being on a television network. Like my worth comes from being human mm-hmm. and yeah. from connecting with people in a real way. And um, and yeah, and, and like you just said. Uh, and a lot of celebrities go through this, like you, you kind of go through the motions for so long, like you, you, you're, you're, you just want a glass of water. You want something real. And, Mm -hmm. and I went that way, um, this year, uh, but definitely at many times, like struggled with those questions of like, who am I, why am I doing this? Like, like, like those imposter syndromes and like, and then redefining success and what it meant for me, um, going to like work, working for myself all of a sudden and yeah, uh, yeah. trying a whole new art and, and, and learning a new voice, you know, like I was no longer asking questions in front of a camera. I was asking questions behind a camera or not asking questions at all. And just, um, using my pictures as a means of communicating. Yeah. Um, and how do you give someone a voice, um, in that process and not, uh, just take a picture of them. You know, like we go into these refugee camps and we take pictures and then we leave and we get what, oh, I got what right. I wanted. That's and, awesome. And how do I go into that and into this process and give them a voice and a means of communicating? Um, uh, it's funny because we listen, we, 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 
sorry to cut you off, but we, we talk a lot about Richard Rohr on this podcast and how his whole thing is everything belongs. And uh, I think sometimes earlier Nate's like self-critical of L.A. Like, L.A. sucks, man. I hate L.A., you know. And then now I'm realizing that like everything belongs because the celebrities get a taste of L.A. And then they go, I don't want this. I want to go do this. I want to go find places it's where I can It's the oil refinery. People. Once again, it just repeats itself. You know, the <laughs> hardship in your life is what is the catalyst for change and growth. And if you don't throw yourself into hardship or hardship or at least value right. suffering enough to um, chance it, then, right. then you won't have that launch pad. And I think right. that a lot of people, like you said, it's the desert, it's the wilderness, it's the, it's the caves, it's the, it's the downs yeah. that really force you into the ups. And I think a lot of, a lot of our culture is about avoiding, avoiding the suffering or avoiding the discomfort and not really throwing ourselves into it. And I think at at that point we, we sort of trade that for any real elation or joy or, um, fulfillment, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and I mean, I see that like, there's, you know, friends of mine who I, I love very dearly, but like who I think, um, you know, have, have, have a fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And so because of that have stayed doing what they, um, what they've been doing or where they've been, um, for most of their life. And I'm totally okay with that as long as they're happy. Um, right. but some of my friends will talk to me and say, I'm not happy. And I'm saying, well, man, you've got to be okay with failing because yeah. you've got to be okay with taking the risk because I can tell you at many times in my life, I've been broke and I've failed and I've been and I've struggled and it was the same. I left Canada and I left a networking, a, 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 you know, the 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 plateau of Canadian television mm-hmm. at for for that demographic, like um, mm-hmm. at Much Music. I left it. I came to the U.S. I was broke. I had no job. I had no money, and I and all everybody was like, "Man, you you quit and left um, like uh, the the biggest platform right. in Canada." Yeah. For what? As if that's like, supposed to be the thing that right, makes you happy, if, right? And I was like, man, that's that's not it. Like, if I'm I'm, I'm not going to stay there just because I'm afraid to fail, right? And because I'm afraid of taking risks, like I've I've got to move on and I've got to test myself again and 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 ask myself those questions, like what's really important. And I did, and and I had to do that again this year, leaving E earlier this year, and and asking myself, okay, well, what was What's really important to me? Asking better questions is asking yourself better questions. Yeah. Because I, I think a lot of the times, you know, it's easy to just go through life and not ask yourself those tough questions, like, um, and and do some introspection and, um, l- you know, look 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 at yourself in the mirror and go like, what do I value? What's important? What's success? And like, and then and and being okay with the difficult answers because sometimes you'll answer and say, well, yes, like <laughs> success is, is this. And, and you have to look at yourself and go, really? Is, is, did I just say that to myself? <laughs> like, do I really think that? Because maybe I need to spend some more time and like reevaluate li- life. And where um, can people check out it. some of, some, some of your work and some of these organizations? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, on my Instagram, it's just at Jesse Giddings and, uh, and online and some of my works up on my website, uh, at jessegiddings.com, like just a little bit of my photography. Um, and, uh, and then there's some great organizations that I love to talk about. One's called International Medical Corps, um, who are on the front lines with the Syrian refugee crisis. They're, um, they're, one an amazing organization that is on the front lines of of every every major world crisis um they're just they're always there with doctors and medics um the mm. minute a major issue happens uh and and I love them for that and what they do and then there's another charity called we charity um it used to be called free free the children um who do some beautiful work and they really uh, have taught me a lot about going into these communities and asking the right questions and not having hidden motives, um, but really partnering with them hand in hand um, to give them a hand up, not a handout. Right. Um, and, and so wow. I'm great. I'm grateful for them. 
But well, we, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I, I've been thinking about, we've been thinking a lot about refugees in my family, and we talked a little bit about it on this podcast. But just recently, it's been back in my in my head. So I, uh, you said International Medical Corps. International Medical Corps, okay. yeah. And I'll, I'm partnering with them again. We'll be doing a photo exhibit here in Los Angeles coming up, and I'll be posting about that on my social media um, to uh, raise awareness and raise funds um, for the ongoing issue. Um, and and I have just been talking with them, ho- hoping to uh, to go back again soon. Awesome. Um, yeah. I can't say it enough. Like, uh, it's such a privilege to be, you know, to catch up with you, Nate, and and yeah. Matt, to talk <laughs> with you. And like, I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and yeah. uh, you know, if I'm sure you guys hear it, but if I can just say how much I appreciate it and appreciate what you guys are doing, and the questions that you're raising, and the conversations that you're starting. Um, just as as a listener, as That's, someone who just we're appreciates honored, man. it, we're, we're so thank you encouraged by so. that because you're what we consider a professional, and we're still faking it till we make it. So. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate that. We're gonna that. come to you now. We're, we're gonna be like Jesse. You want to be our producer and help us get some people on this podcast? Because Matt, we got a seat for you, man. We got a seat. I'm happy <laughs> to talk with you guys. All right, Jesse. Thanks, guys. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. All Thank right. you, man. Uh, Take care. Blocking out the day. Have a good one. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Bye-bye. I just want to be I just want to be successful. I just want to be I just want to be successful.